I'm especially excited today about this message. Um, I told the folks in the first service, and I'll say this again, this is a message that God kind of dropped in my spirit a while back, and I've just been praying on it, uh, I guess incubating, it's been incubating, if you can picture that expression in there, it's the best way I know how to explain it is, uh, you know, the Lord sometimes kind of marinates these things for a while, and then they hit this point where they're, they're like, they're ready to preach, you know? And I felt like this was a message that I've been excited about for a while. And here just in the last week, God's like said, hey, this is the time to, to do this. And this is the time to, to preach this message. And so um, I believe that for a lot of people here today, that this will be perhaps a, a life-changing kind of thing. You know, Maybe whatever it is that you're going through or dealing with, that the Holy Spirit will custom fit and tailor this specifically for you in your situation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? And so anyway, um, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Joshua chapter 1, the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And just to set the, the background for this scene, this is right in the beginning of when Israel, the whole nation of Israel, is coming out of the desert after they, they you know, they were, uh, Moses led them out of Egypt, the, the Exodus, they were in the desert for 40 years wandering, and after 40 years, God leads them out of the desert finally and into the promised land. By the way, they weren't wandering for 40 years because that was God's plan. They were wandering for 40 years because they disobeyed and sinned against God. And so that was the consequence of that. So now Moses is dead. He's, he's gone. And Joshua is the new leader to lead the troops and lead the nation out of the desert into the promised land, which is the destiny that God has prepared for his people. It's the full occupancy of that promise that God has given them, which is a metaphor for us even in our lives today that God has a destiny, a purpose, and a plan for our lives that's flowing with milk and honey, that's rich in abundance. Jesus said, I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. God has a promised land for all of us. There's a spirit metaphor of that Old Testament event. And so Joshua is the new leader and he's getting ready to lead the troops out and go into battle to go and take from their enemies what God has promised them that is their rightful inheritance. And so that's where we're going to pick up in our story in verses one through nine. Verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Can I repeat that? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You know, the Bible speaks against fearing man. We're to fear no man. That's a side note. All right. So, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. 
Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Notice he says that three times. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me just pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, speak through me. God, you've put this message in my heart. This is your word, Lord. Help it to come forth off my lips in a way that is consistent and aligned with your truth, a way that honors you, and most importantly, God, in a way that you can use it to, to change and transform lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me ask you a question. How many people have ever been in a situation in your life where you feel like God is leading you into something, perhaps a new season, he's you know, taking you on this journey, you feel very strong and passionate that, okay, I'm stepping out for God. I feel like I'm going in this direction for him and, and you're excited about it and you know that there's an element of uncertainty but also exhilaration at the same time because you're, you're moving out into something new that the, the Lord would maybe want to bless in your life. And as you step out and you're headed down this direction, it doesn't take very long before all of a sudden you come to a point where you hit something, you come up against something that you kind of look at and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't see that coming. And it, it, it represents, it looks like it might be this giant obstacle, like this big thing that kind of stands in your way it's almost like an impasse now, and you just started moving, you know, and just getting going. And all of a sudden, you see this thing that looks so big that it's like stopped you in your tracks, almost to the point where you might even begin to question, did I hear God right? Am I, did God maybe change his mind? Am I doing something wrong? And then all of a sudden, with this faith-filled journey you were on, this excitement begins to turn into like discouragement and doubt. And you look at this thing and you almost even have the temptation of like turning around and going back to where you came from. Because anybody can relate to anything like that you've ever been in before. And so this story right here that we're going to talk about today, I believe, is a great demonstration of how these things can actually be a part of the plan that God is taking us on in this journey that he has us on, and that it's for our good if we'll learn from it and see the lessons that are here in this story. So the title of the message, if you're taking notes, is Obstacle or Opportunity? Obstacle or Opportunity? Wow, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, it's just a title. Um, no. So obstacle or opportunity. And the, the whole idea here 
is that a lot of times we go into these things and we hit these places that are sort of holding us back that we have to actually go through. In order to get to the other place that God is leading us, in order, we have to have actually go through something, not around something, in order to get there. And the part of the going through is, is very relevant for God to demonstrate his power, his goodness, and to elevate our faith in the process so that when we come through, we're more prepared to fight what's on the other side. And that's exactly what the nation of Israel and Joshua, their leader, find themselves in. As you notice from these verses we just read, the Lord says to them, leave the desert. It's time to come into the promised land. I want you to go out of this area and cross the Jordan River and head into this land and basically take out your enemies and possess the land which I'm giving you. So notice he says you're going to go to this river and you're going to cross the Jordan. Now, the Jordan River, Katie and I, when we had the trip to Israel last year, uh, we got to visit the Jordan River in several locations. And frankly, when I saw the Jordan, I was a little surprised. Like, I guess I had this picture in my head that it was this giant river like the Mississippi or something of that nature. And it wasn't anything like that at all. It was fairly small. In fact, I got a picture here so you can see when you come to the Jordan, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful river and it flows through the valley and, uh, and it's a beautiful area, but it's not really this super impressive, like huge river, right? So if God says, come on out of Egypt, come on out of the desert and cross the Jordan and go into the promised land and occupy what's there. If this was the picture of the river that you got to, with your 40,000 troops that you're leading into battle, you probably wouldn't give it much more thought. You'd just get up, walk right through, maybe wade through, possibly a little dog paddle across to the other side with your people, and you're on your way. You probably wouldn't even think much about having to go across this river to get to the other side to go into the destiny God had prepared for you. You'd be thinking already about what's beyond that. However, the picture of the Jordan River that we, we get from the Bible that's here right now is that the Jordan is actually in, a, it's in its time of the year in the spring where it's overflowing in its banks, the Bible says. So because in the spring, whenever the, the floods would come and the rains would come, it would all of a sudden rise up and the whole valley area where the Jordan would flow through could actually turn into like a big marsh and a big lake and, and all of a sudden it would look like water was everywhere. In fact, I have a video of a scene of the Jordan. This is actually... different picture <clears throat> okay so you you're stepping out you come to this point and you're getting ready to go into the promised land and all of a sudden you come to this and God said go and cross over the Jordan 
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest for a second. I would probably be thinking, really, God? Like, I haven't even got into the promised land yet to fight the enemies, and this is what you, like, Lord, okay, I heard you. We're going to go in there. We're going to take out the enemies. We're going to occupy the land, but I think you might have actually just been a couple months early. Did you forget about the rain in the spring, Lord? Like, surely you, you intended this for a couple months from now. And let me ask you this. Is God ever wrong in his timing? Does he ever accidentally do something? Or, you know, the Lord never, God never said, like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, that's not something God ever says, right? Because he's all wise and knowing. So they get to this, this Jordan River, and immediately what happens is they're faced with a test. They are faced with a test in a very important one. And they're going to move into a time and a land where they're going to fight physical battles against physical enemies. But what's important is before it ever even begins, there's already a spiritual battle that they have to fight and that they have to win before they move into the next level of their destiny. And I just want to tell you this, that there is absolute certainty, according to the word of God, that as we walk with the Lord, that there will be moments and times where God tests us. Now, you have to know, testing is different than temptation. A very big difference between the two. In fact, the Bible says that God never tempts us. He never puts things in our way that lure us into sin, that try to get us to trip up and get trapped in anything. That's always the doing of the devil. The Lord never tempts us. The Word of God says that. But the Bible does say that God will allow us to be tested. In fact, it says something like this. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let me ask you, is that a good thing? Yes. That is a long-lasting, sustained strength. That's what that means in perseverance. So they come to this place where the Jordan is overflowing with its banks, and they are now at a moment where they're facing their very first test. Is anybody a good at like tests when they're in school? Anybody one of those strange people where you're like, oh, it's a test today, yeah. <laughs> a few of you, okay. Uh, for me, <laughs> I was that, you know, partying crazy, like, you know, the two worst words that I ever heard were pop quiz. <laughs> really, you know, spring that one on me. I like to prepare and study the night before when I knew and I cram everything in. That's, that was me. Anyway. So, so they're facing this first test, and the Jordan is overflowing in its banks. And when they look at this, if they're going to go across this Jordan, like God has said, you're going to cross this river, immediately you recognize it's, it's physically going to be impossible. So in order to get across, and this is the key, they're going to have to believe for something miraculous to happen. And this is where the whole obstacle or opportunity concept starts to set in for us. We can see a situation that is kind of like a roadblock or an impasse, and then we can begin to have thoughts of obstacle, of problem, of a reason for quitting or turning around and going back or not moving forward. And I'll just suggest to you that there are many a times in people's lives when they allow an obstacle to do exactly that, 
to grow big in front of them and become a big problem that stifles them from actually moving forward across that situation into the next level of what God has called them to. But if we will look and see, there is always an opportunity when we hit these things that could become obstacles for an opportunity to actually present itself, a divine opportunity in fact. And so what ends up happening is they get to the banks of the river and they see this picture of it overflowing, is that God gives Joshua very specific instructions for how they're going to proceed. He says, in the morning, when you guys get up, when you go to cross, I want you to get all of the priests that are with you, or some of the priests, and they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant which in the Ark of the Covenant is where the Ten Commandments were, some of the manna from the desert and Aaron's rod that sprouted. Anyway, it's what it resembled is the presence of God was there in the Ark of the Covenant with them. And so he said, I want you to take the, the, have the priests step out into the water with the Ark of the Covenant that they're carrying, and once they do, then have all of the people cross over after them. Those were the instructions. Now notice that God doesn't actually describe how the miracle is going to take place. Isn't that interesting? And I think a lot of times that's what we want. We want a miracle, but we want to understand it and we want to know how it's going to work first because we're looking for some sort of satisfaction in our, our mental part of us so that we can then accept it and move forward. God specifically does not describe how the miraculous thing that he wants to do is going to take place. He just says, have the priest get the ark, step into the water, and then have everybody start crossing over after that to the other side. So the faith part of you has to hear this, has to recognize this and say, okay, I'm not sure how this is going to happen, but God is going to have to do something really, really big. Otherwise, we're going to perish out there. So anytime you can recognize how you can easily navigate through something or do something in your own natural strength, is that something very miraculous at all? Is that something that would elevate your faith and build your faith for the journey that's ahead? No, it, it, you wouldn't think too much of something that you could just go out and do on your own. That's why when they come to this river, if the river would have just been in its normal condition, they would have just crossed right over, moved to the other side, and carried on. But God cre had this situation, this test in front of them where the river was so raging and so strong and so overflowing, and he instructed them that you're going to have to go to the, you're going to cross through to go to the other side, that they had to believe that God was going to do something supernatural, otherwise they weren't going to make it to the other side. Now, I know this isn't a comfortable place to be in, but let me just suggest something to you guys. It is a good thing when God puts us in a situation where we have to trust him fully if we're going to step out, and if he doesn't show up, then we're ultimately not going to be able to do it on our own. They, they reach this point where they're looking at the river, and at some stage they had to say, Lord, this is a raging river, but I'm going. 
because you said it and you showed us the way. And so if you spoke this, then you're going to have to see us through to the other side. Now, as soon as the priest's feet hit the water, as soon as they all got in there, the Bible says that the waters began to subside. They actually stopped flowing up north in a city of Adam, and, they, and it just dried up the whole riverbed where the water was just flowing moments before. And as soon as that happened, all of the soldiers that are following Joshua begin to cross over on dry land and move to the other side. And then the priests, whenever they're done, pick up the ark and then they move over and they they are now on the other side of the Jordan. And it's interesting because the people who were actually moving out of the desert were never the ones other than uh, Moses, Joshua, and Caleb that actually were alive when the Red Sea was parted. So you remember that whole miracle that God did with the Red Sea. The children of Israel who are now getting ready to go into battle into the promised land, none of them actually saw that miracle firsthand for themselves. And I think there is a big part of what God was doing to show them that he was powerful and that he was a miracle-working God. So he's saying the way this whole journey began with that Red Sea getting parted is you're going to see the same kind of miracle. We're going to part the waters of this Jordan River because there's an element of this that you need to have your faith boosted by. There's a demonstration here that you need to see so that your faith increases so that when you go to the other side, and you meet your enemies face to face, you are now strengthened and prepared in a way that you never were before. And God is an equipper and he is into processes. So he knows how to equip us for the journey that we are on and he sees out in front of us where we have not been. The Bible says he goes before us in all of our ways. So he knows what's lying ahead in our path and he will create situations to strengthen, equip, and prepare us now so that we are ready for what is yet ahead when maybe right now there's something that we are lacking that has not been yet developed in us. And so is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? Let me just suggest this to you. It depends. It depends on how you walk it out. Because if you will trust God and you will seek him and you will see the potential for a miracle and for a supernatural work that only God can do, then if you walk that path out in that way, then God can begin to create the opportunity in the situation that he is desiring to create for you. But if you don't see that and you see this as a problem and you cower back and you feel like there's no way now that you can move forward, then what was an obstacle, the seeds of an obstacle waiting to be grown or an opportunity waiting to be grown up can all of a sudden become an obstacle that in fact sets in and gets big in front of you and keeps you from moving forward. 
So God is a creator of opportunities in our lives, of opening and parting waters for us to move through. But in order for him to do that, we have to trust him and be willing to step out and move forward in faith so that he can begin to do that work in our lives that he wants to do. Did you get that? He is a create those opportunities will open up and God will create those opportunities for us if we'll seek him and trust him and pursue him him as we begin to walk that out but if we choose to see a picture of an obstacle that's blocking God's ability and that obstacle becomes bigger than the God we serve then all of a sudden the opportunity that God wanted to open up for us can actually become an obstacle that keeps us from moving forward in the path that he has for us now I want you to think about just a couple of things in this story that happen that are they're really important elements of this the first thing is, is that they had to remember what they had already heard God say. Remember in those verses we read in the beginning, he says, come out, go to the Jordan, cross it, and go in and possess the promised land. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm with you wherever you go. You have no fear of man. Remember, all these things were spoken, received, encouraged them, built their faith. But when they come to the moment where now they're facing and standing in front of a raging river that looks like it could kill them, what do they have to do? They have to remember what God has already said because he already said, go, cross, take. So what God already spoken now trumps the present potential obstacle that they're looking at that could possibly keep them back from doing what God has already commanded them to do. See, how many, I don't know if you're an, a, a directions person where you like you buy something that you have to put together and, and you really love, who likes the directions? You know, you get them out. And, okay, let, don't touch it. We'll just lay it out real nice. Okay, we're going to don't read step two. We're going to read step one and do that and, and you know, real specific. I'm kind of like making fun of you, but that's the way you're supposed to do it. That's not the way I do it. I'm like, okay, just get all the parts out. Let's, let's start putting some stuff together, and then, you know, then we'll look at the directions, and wait, let's jump from step seven to step nine, and eventually what ends up happening is there comes this point where I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, hmm, yeah, something's not right. <laughs> so then I have to get the directions out, and this is what I end up having to do. I have to go back to the place that I, the last time that I actually did the right thing. Are you with me? Okay, I know I did step four right. Okay, so let's back up from step nine and let's read. Okay, so now from step four, we can move to step five once we figure out what's gone wrong here. And a lot of times, guys, we go out into these places and then we start to move forward in this journey that God has us on. And then we start to just kind of jump out on our own to do things. And then all of a sudden, obstacles and issues and problems and now doubt and discouragement creep in. Listen, sometimes we have to stop. We have to back up and we have to go back to what we already heard God say, what we already know he's spoken to us and remind ourselves, refresh that revelation in our spirit and reignite that faith so that we can move forward once again and see those waters begin to part. See, they're standing at this river looking at this thing that could take them out if they all just dive in 
you know, recklessly. But if they step back and say, God said we're going through that thing. He told us to come here. He said to do it right now. He knew that these waters were raging. He said we're going to cross. We're going to go to the other side. He said to step out with the Ark of the Covenant, and then everybody's going to go. So let's do it. And they're reminding themselves of what he's already spoken because what he's already spoken never ceases to be true. Are you with me? So when you get a revelation, God is, is, is for you and not against you. All things work together for good. God is your provider. Your enemies, no weapon formed against you will prosper. A lot of these truths and these revelations that God speaks to us in his word, we have to kind of back up and remind ourselves and stand on those things so that when we look at something that doesn't appear in the natural, there's any way that we can get through it, all of a sudden we get the faith for a miracle instead of a natural solution and we'll begin to walk and then God can begin to separate those waters for us so they had to remind themselves of what was already said now here's another thing that had to happen the priests went out into the water and they were carrying the ark of the covenant which represents the presence of God so there was no way that they could step into what was potentially an obstacle and see it become an opportunity if they didn't actually go into the thing with the presence of God with them. Isn't that something? You see, sometimes we get excited and we just kind of start to run, but we maybe have disengaged in our time with the Lord and our prayer and just spending time in his presence and just being refreshed in our relationship with him. You can't go out into a potential obstacle and see God use it as an opportunity if you're not taking the presence of God with you in your life when you step out into that thing. Are you with me? He said, look, the priests are going to go, but they're going to have the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. Nobody step onto those waters until they get into them. And then once they do, all of a sudden, supernaturally, the waters begin to part and all of the warriors begin to cross over on dry land right behind them. The presence of God was with the very first steps that were taken into the obstacle and then the beautiful miracle of a divine opportunity opened up and the notion of an obstacle that would prevent them from their destiny began to go away and fade into the distance. And the idea of a miraculous God and a faith-filled journey began to take front and center stage for them. And you know, I really believe that after they, they crossed over and they saw this miracle, their faith was emboldened. They, I mean, can you imagine seeing a sight like that? They had to be thinking, there's nothing that our God can't do. There is absolutely nothing that can stand in our way. If God be for us, then who can be against us? And I think that was a big part of this test in this journey that they were on. 
They, God wanted their faith to be ignited and emboldened. They've been wandering in the desert for years. He wanted to do something fresh, have them see this fresh miracle. That This could have looked like an obstacle, but it was just a river, and they trusted God, and he parted it, and they walked across, and it became a divine opportunity, and God used that opportunity to build their faith so that when they walked in and marched into the promised land to go and fight their enemies, all of a sudden, now they were going in a place of faith and in the presence of God that they hadn't been in before that was necessary for them to overcome the enemies that they were about to face. And so a lot of times, guys, when we're in these situations, it's not really about us having things work out the way that we want them to or the way that we think that they should happen well, God led me this way, so this is what's going to have to take place. He's going to have to give me that job. Well, God's going to have to you know, make that money show up. Well, God's going to have to bring this person into my life because he said I'm going to have a spouse. Like, when do we start getting to a point where we can decide how God does the things that he does? Never. But if we'll trust and believe and know that if God has led us to this place, I don't need to know how. I mean, it's cool when you do, but I don't need to know. I, my steps forward are not conditional on my need to know. I can actually be okay with what I've already heard, and I can step out in the presence of God and know that I can't get myself out of it, but that's exactly the place that I want to be is where nobody can get me out of it except for God. And when I'm in that place, his power and his nature are going to be so on display that it will be undeniable who it is that is leading the way in this thing. Might I just say to you that if you go through something that you, it's, it's at a point where you can kind of work it all out and get through it on your own and your own strength, you can actually make the things happen that need to happen then that doesn't leave very much room for God to be on display. And I don't think we're really called to live a life where God is rarely on display. I think we're called to live a life that God's made famous out of. That God is really showing himself out so that more people can see past us and see the God that's actually working in us. And this was a situation where the entire nation Actually, the entire army got to see God on full display right before they went into some of the most important battles that they would ever face in their entire life. You know that, right? Like these were the battles that were leading them into the destiny that them and their children would ultimately occupy. There was a level of faith that needed to be built and increased. And this little scene at the Jordan River was essential was significant in the spark and the movement into that whole process that they were getting ready to go on. So what are you facing right now? Obstacle or opportunity? Are you thinking in terms where you've created the capacity for God to do a miracle in that situation? Or are you only looking at how natural solutions can seem to get you through? And if that's all you see, I'll just tell you, there's going to be a lot of things that you'll never be able to get past. Because natural solutions will always fall short, and they will only show up so much. But if your capacity of how you see and think and envision this thing going allows space 
for God to do something absolutely miraculous like part waters on a river, then you will begin to see God lead you through things into some of the greatest levels of your destiny that you will ever face. Amen? Let me close with this point. There's one final thing that God had Joshua do. While the priests were still in the water, God loved those priests. (laughs) You know? I mean, looking up at that wall of water up there, holding that ark, 40,000 people, I think I'd probably be telling them to hurry up. Come on, guys, no sitting around. (laughs) All right, so (laughs) Joshua has 12 men, one from every tribe, go back into the waters, the dried up ground, and grab 12 stones, boulders in fact, that they have to carry on their shoulder, they're so big, they have to carry them up out of the river, and then they take them over to the other side, and they create a memorial, like a monument, out of these 12 stones as a representation of what God had just done for them, that they would never forget. And then after they did that, the priest came up out of the water and the waters came right back to raging again. It's awesome, isn't it? So listen to what in chapter 4 it says about these stones and about what God used this little situation in the Jordan River to do, not just in one situation, but many times over. Chapter 4, verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan River Joshua set up in Gilgal, and then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You see, I just picture... These men, these warriors, years down the road, and they're little kids. Daddy, daddy, what are these stones? What is, this, what is this thing that you guys all come and look at? What is this all about? Come here, son. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about our God and about something that he did for your daddy and for all of us other men who have led our people into this promised land and this destiny. You see, we came to this river one day, and these banks were so high and so raging that we would have all died if we would have stepped out into them. But God told us that we had to come through here, and he told us that he would see us through. And so we stepped out into these waters in faith, and our God, he parted these waters right here where we're at, and he opened up the river and we crossed over on dry land. He performed a miracle for us then and he'll perform miracles for us today, son, because that's the kind of God that we serve. And I saw it with my own eyes. I lived it with my own life. And you're gonna see miracles in your life, son. And this is the place where God did that.
And I want you to trust him like we trusted him because he's got a plan for you too. He's got a destiny for you to help lead our people into great things. And it's faith that's required for you to be able to walk it out just like we had to walk out. But I'm telling you, son, you can trust God because I've seen it with my own eyes. And now all of a sudden, what could have been an obstacle that became an opportunity has now gave way for testimony for generations beyond. Now I want to suggest to you that you may be going through something or facing something right now in your life that first of all may seem like an obstacle and you need to get a picture of how big God is compared to how small that thing really is. And that God, and, and have the capacity to believe for a miracle that God can do something that you could never probably even think of on your own would be a solution to get you through that. But ultimately, to picture that there is a testimony that will be birthed out of you and in your life that you will be able to sit your children, grandchildren, future generations down on your knee one day and say, let me tell you what God did for us. Let me tell you how big God is and how mighty he is that we serve. And I want you to believe for miraculous things because that's the kind of God who loves us, who died for us, and he did it for us and he'll do it for you. I don't want anything less than that for you in the future generations that go on after you. You see, God had a much bigger plan than they could have ever imagined in that whole thing. And all those generations beyond get to see that memorial and get to hear that story and have their faith emboldened by something that their forefathers had walked through and seen God do before them. Isn't that something? Obstacle or opportunity. If we'll let God put his hand to the thing and keep our hand off of it, He's a master craftsman, and he can create every opportunity that he has already designed to have in our life to prepare us for what he has ahead. That being the case, I don't want to put my hand to any of it. I don't know about you. Would you stand to your feet with me today? And let's just pray together. God... I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you're a miracle working God. Hallelujah. And I ask you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would begin to pull on people's hearts. You begin to speak to them right now in your still small voice. Remind us, God, of things you've already spoken to us. Of things you've already declared to us that have never ceased to be true. Strengthen our faith today that we have the capacity to believe for the miraculous. To step out and put our feet in the waters of the unknown in places where only you can see us through. Help us to walk and live consistently in those types of places, God. And help us to write a testimony 
through all these journeys we go on with you in our life that we can share with those who will come after us. That more can know you, that you can be made famous, God, and that you can get the glory for everything that you do in our lives. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I were to die right now and my life would be over. I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I I really don't know if I'm right with God. I just want to encourage you. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There's no way to heaven outside of him. He died for you. He loves you that much that he gave his life up so that you could be forgiven. It's only by grace that we receive the free gift of forgiveness that was purchased with Jesus' blood. If you say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm right with God today. I just, I encourage you in a moment, I'm going to pray and ask you to pray this prayer in your heart. Ask Jesus into your heart, forgive you, and you'll be saved. God's Spirit will come to live on the inside of you. He'll make you new. You begin to walk out this journey with a new level of power and strength that doesn't come from yourself, that only comes from Him. Or if you say, Pastor, I've just sort of steered away. I've been walking down a path for a while now that's my own plan. And I I knew God once. I walked with Him once. But I just really haven't been there in a long time. I want to get back to that place. I want to start living for Him again. If that's you, I just want either situation, I just want to lead you in this prayer and let this be your heart's cry. You say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me, Lord, of what I've done. I ask you to help me turn away from the life that I've lived and turn toward you fully and devote my entire self to you. I announce your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He died for me so that I could be saved. God, send your Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me and make me new. Help me to live out the purpose and the destiny that you've created me for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. I hope that this has been an encouraging message for you today. And uh, I hope that as you go forth, you go in the peace and favor of God and his countenance shine upon you. That the joy of the Lord would just bubble up in your spirit each and every day to the point of overflowing. That you would be a witness to the world around you. As Jesus loved us, that we would love the world. Go forth, impact, influence, and make a difference for him. Amen? God bless you. Have an awesome day. You do not have to be in a hurry to get out of here.